what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. It's that time of year again as Apple has held its Worldwide Developers Conference, which means updates, announcements, and some new things to tease that we are going to be expecting in our devices in the near future. Brian and I, the original Brothers in Tech, get together to talk through the latest updates from Apple and the Macintosh, iOS, iPad OS, and so forth. All the updates we found to be interesting and uh, maybe something to be watching out for in the future for your devices. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson, and uh, Brian, I feel bad. I'm always the one introducing the show. Yeah, how did that happen? Kind of introduce. I don't know how that happened, but we just kind of settled into that routine, and so that leaves me having to kind of introduce myself first, and then I, I get around to introducing you a little bit later. Hmm. So uh, maybe we should switch it out. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, and you can introduce me. <laughs> oh God, we yeah, we didn't talk about this. Um, I know. I'm throwing you a curveball. Hey, well, everybody, I am Brian. I am uh, one of the brothers in tech, uh, the West Coast brothers in tech. Um, you really are no good at this. Yeah, so. God, this sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you didn't warn me. You didn't hey, warn continue. me. Continue. Go ahead, finish it up. Sorry. So I am. Uh, I am a professor of kinesiology at Pacific University. Uh, with a passion for technology. I'm also a visiting scholar is what I guess my technical term is for uh, a uh, technology uh, company called Synaptic. And um, and I am actually the most important person of this podcast. And this is really how we should be starting every podcast is me talking about me. And uh, would you actually like me to introduce you? I mean, are we, are, we, are we completely going the Tales from the Dark Side flip here or what? Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll introduce myself. Oh, I thank God. Where you're going to go with yeah, that. Okay. So, uh, right. and, and hi, I'm, I'm Brian's older <laughs> and uh, more talented brother, Alan Jackson. <laughs> and um, I am on the other side of the country from Brian. And yes, we like to kind of rib each other. It's what we do as yep. brothers. Yeah. Uh, but we do get together and talk technology here on our show, Brothers in Tech. Um, I am a video and media producer here in North Carolina uh, with Jackson Creative and also run the podcast network that this show is uh, is a part of. So um, we get together and talk tech, but, you know, just to kind of make sure everybody's clear on this in case it's the first time listening, you know, we don't go into high-end uh, you know, technology for corporate work or, or heavy scientific work or anything. I mean, this is truly about home and family technology. Uh, personal computers, uh, yep. phones, gadgets, uh, home automation, anything that kind of affects you on more of a personal level with technology. That's where we want to be a resource and talk through new things happening in the world of technology and also helping you uh, be a better resource for those around you that may be the ones calling you for tech support, your family IT person, 
uh, go-to IT person. If you're playing that role, which Brian and I are very, very used to, yep. uh, we're all here as part of this brotherhood and sisterhood to uh, talk technology. Yep. So we're, we're, um, we're basically the cliff notes of technology, Alan. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, I we are, we kind of, yeah, we're, we're going to give you what you need to know, what's important to know about technology and not get deep into the weeds. Um, although I, I think both you and I love sometimes to get deep in the weeds on certain things, but, well, and, but like you know, usability, either, right? Yeah, exactly. You and I are not, we're not developers. Nope. We're not programmers. We're not, you know, we're not going to talk about under the hood, how some of these things work. We're talking more about how you can use them and how yeah. it can really benefit your personal life. And I think that's really our biggest goal here. Uh, we had a whole series of shows we've talked about over the last couple of years where we've gone to a variety of topics, but today's episode, Brian is going to be just a little bit different in that we're not really kind of digging into one particular uh, topic to explore. It's more of a, uh, a news item in that um, we've made no secret throughout the history of the show that you and I are both big fans of the Mac operating system, Apple's operating system. Yep. Um, you know, I, they did announce a new version of Windows just the other day. That may have to be a topic we talk about in a future episode because I'd like to explore what they're doing with Windows 11, and we can talk about that. But today we're going to talk about what Apple has announced in just the last week as part of their Worldwide Developers Conference, or WWDC, as you may hear. Uh, for those of you not aware of this, or maybe you are a Mac user, but you don't really follow the news as much or, or, or track all these uh, updates and announcements, the Worldwide Developers Conference is a annual event that Apple has put on for many, many years. And it's really started out as a true developers conference, meaning people who develop applications and for the Mac can all come together and learn what new technologies are going to be available for them to use. But because Apple doesn't do a lot of uh, a, a big, it used to be the, uh, what was the conference? The Macworld conference Macworld. Brian, mm-hmm. years ago. Yep. Yep. where Apple used to give like their big keynote speech. And that was where Steve <clears throat> Jobs would talk about new new things and what, where the Mac was going. Uh, and they were great. They were fun. But yeah. then Macworld kind of ceased to be. Apple stopped going. Macworld kind of, I think they still have it, but it's nowhere near the uh, stature that it once had. So now WWDC is kind of their big time every year to kind of just give a big, announcement of of some new things that they're working on or what's going to be coming out in the in the coming months um there were rumors that it was going to be some hardware announcements but we actually got zip on the zero zero not a thing nothing hardware related everything they talked about were updates to their various um operating systems meaning the systems that power your iphones your ipads your macs your apple watches uh, what is the software running on it? When you turn on your iPhone, what is the interface that you see? What are the functions you have you can play with? That's what they're updating. So, Brian, it sounds like we're just going to be talking through some of what uh, Apple announced, some of the updates that you and I found to be the most interesting yep. and possibly the most useful for people from these variety of different updates they announced, right? Yeah, and I think it's it's important to note these these the software has not come out yet. So everything we're going to talk about is our expectation of how this could be useful and how it could be implemented. Uh, of course, we've seen we've seen uh, examples given, and we think that we have a pretty good grasp on what they're going to be doing. 
but all of the potential uses of these things, we're, we're kind of making our best guess as to how useful they're actually going to be when they get implemented. But that's kind of the exciting part, right? We, I think for you and I talked about, this would be great for us to kind of put max announcements into layman's terms and into usability terms. What is it going to mean to you on an everyday user uh, yeah. with a new Mac uh, operating system? So yeah, this would be good. This would be exciting. And I also need to mention for people who have been listening to us for a while, you'll notice that we have not introduced a guest, mm. which, I mean, honestly, everyone, Alan and I thought the last several episodes, I mean, we've had a guest for quite a while and it's kind of just taken away from our our talents and our ability to really you know, show off uh, during this uh, episode. So we decided to Nix the uh, nix the uh, the the uh, presence of a guest here, and just go old school, right? Well, this is old school. Well, at least for one episode. I yeah, think for one episode. Well, we, we, reset. We got to reset. We're treating we're treating ourselves a little bit. Just <laughs> having a treat ourselves week. And uh, no, this is good. It's just the brothers today. So and uh, it doesn't have anything to do with us not being able to find a guest in time no, to do this. No, this not has nothing to do with that. <laughs> Actually, there's a backlog of people who have reached out. <laughs> Saying they would really like to be a guest right, on the show, right. and we just haven't gone through the. We got to sort through the resumes. Yeah, that's going to take a while. So yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get our interns working on that right away. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Brian, uh, I think let's let's start talking through some of these things. And just like you mentioned, I mean, these are obviously uh, software updates that are going to be coming in the coming months. So don't expect to turn on your phone after hearing this and, and see some of the things we're talking about. And also at the same time, uh, you know, this is Apple selling their their, their features. Um, I think we've seen a, a long history of sometimes Apple announcing features that sound really great or look great in a demo, and then you actually get them, and they don't really do quite what you're hoping or don't right. work as well. So, you know, the proof's in the pudding. We're going to wait and see when these things actually roll out. But I think it's interesting to talk about them as announcements now. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Brian, let's start off with probably the one I'm I'm more partial to. I, I'm at my heart a Mac guy. I, I mean, I like the iPhones. I like the iPads. But I'm still, give me the Mac any day of the week. And they did announce uh, the uh, the new operating system for the Mac that will be coming out and some of his features. So what do we got there? Yeah, so Mac OS uh, Monterey is going to be the new the new name for the uh, the latest Mac OS. Uh, and as everybody knows, that they've had these names for places in California have been you know, what Yosemite and what else have we had lately, Alan. Um. um. <laughs> Big Sur. Big Sur, right? Um, yep. Yep. What are we on right now? I don't even know what we're on. Well, right we now. had Mavericks, right? Wasn't that one? Mavericks? Yep. Yep. It was. Yep. Yep. So we've had all, yep. all locations or special locations from California, which of course is where uh, Apple is uh Apple is uh, has their headquarters. So Mac OS Monterey is coming. Um so let me just I I made notes of I thought three pretty important um features in terms of usability that I think are going to be helpful for us. One, uh, notifications are going to get an update. And I think not only are the notifications going to look a little different, which is always the stuff that I like, Alan. I don't know, I don't know about you, but when they change the way things look and appear, it makes me more interested. Uh, and notifications going to have more information. So when it pops up on your screen, It'll have a little bit more info there, so you don't necessarily have to open it up to get some of the news items and all of that stuff. Uh, but something I thought would be really helpful uh, 
And of course, that's, I mentioned on the phone, but we're talking about notifications on the Mac. But you can actually start to change the the rules you have about notifications. And I think this is really exciting to me that, so, you know, if you're working on a Macintosh or actually Windows has a very similar thing, you'll have notifications that'll pop in, maybe a text message or um, a new news item that pops up, a call coming in. And if you are working, you know, there are times where you're going to want certain things to come in, maybe an email notification, but you're going to have other things that you want to mute for a while. Maybe your, um, you know, your Facebook updates, you don't want to bother you during your workday, but you do want them to come up if you're after your work hours. So they do have this, what's called focus notifications, where you can turn the notifications to uh, not show up at certain times of the day. Um, So that's kind of nice. And it can also, my understanding from what I saw too, is um, you can be a little more selective with your notifications about which ones kind of belong to a certain focus or not. So it does use some level of AI to kind of help recommend what might be a good focus of notifications for a certain time of the day or thing that you're doing. But I do like the idea of saying, okay, well, yes, I don't want text messages or Facebook messages to pop up and interrupt me, but I don't want to shut everything off because that's right. what Do Not Disturb right now does. Yep. When you turn it on your Mac, it just shuts off all notifications. If I am working on something, like for example, I'm rendering a video on my on Final Cut Pro, I do want it to notify me when that video is done, but yep. I don't want to, so I need those to come through, but I don't want to be bothered with Facebook or Twitter or anything else. So the idea that of building kind of your own customization for your own focus, like I'm in work hours, yep. I want these notifications to come through, but not these other ones. Then after hours, maybe flip, flip it. I want the more fun, casual ones to come through and not anything else. Yeah, and ignore the emails for a while, something like that. Yeah, so yep. I think there's some real interest there. Now, I always get a little worried with some of these features that it gets too granular that it mm-hmm. actually becomes a little unwieldy to use or maybe not work as, as well as we hope. Um, it, it maybe not giving us quite the level of customization that we're hoping for. We don't know. We'll see when it rolls out, but I think the concept is good. Uh, yeah. I, I'm excited yeah. to see a little more control over notifications than what we have now. Yeah. And, and you know, this reminds me of uh, a feature that I don't know if you ever have used it, Alan, but I, I thought I would, but it never did was the idea of workspaces right? What are they? Different desktops, right? I rarely use it. I thought I would. I thought this was going to be fantastic. I'll have a desktop for kind of my general play and break time and I'll have a desktop for work and I'll have a desktop for something else. And it made total sense that I could jump over to this particular desktop and only certain things are going to be there. Uh, But that never worked out for me, right? right? And I I do not use it at all, at all now. So, but I think something like notifications could be a way of doing that. Um, well, I mean, really, the notifications are helping you with your productivity, right? where you are and getting you focused on whatever aspect of work you're doing at that time, where I think just the switching of settings, I mean, most of the location settings switching, you know, if I go from my house to my office, I mean, it changes to the right Wi-Fi network. It's right. I don't right. really have to do any reconfiguration. And the idea of changing a desktop picture or something else just based on your location is more of a it's a nicety, but it's not really anything that helps you. Uh, yeah. It's more of yeah. a, you know, more of a, just a fun thing to do with location. So no, I haven't used the locations. Yeah. Well, I am wondering, I am wondering if this, I, I'm, I'm excited to see and this going back to the fact that none of these are out yet. The, to me, always the interesting part is how do they implement these? How do they roll them out? Right. So how, how are they going to roll these notifications out? Are they going to pull up a screen 
when we update to Mac OS Monterey that says, please choose which of these things are going to have, are you going to have to do a lot of setup or is it going to be the very first notification that comes in? Do you click up there? Don't do this again, <laughs> or kind yes, of, this was the right time. You, and you train building it. it as you go type. Of yeah. yeah. And I would I love like, if it trained it. I would love if you spent a week and well, you just made a note on every one of those that said, nope, to not the right time, but yeah. do it again at five o'clock. It, do it, it again. Said at in this. the keynote that they would be using AI to kind of help <laughs> yeah. determine so to this. make some recommendations of what your focus notifications would be. But again, the balance between what it's going to do for you automatically versus how much customization and detail right. you can get in and set yourself is going to be the real key as to whether service like this really works for everybody or not. Yeah, so, yeah, exciting. Me, it's a exciting idea. I, I think it can. It could be a really good one. Um, another feature, and I, and I wasn't sure whether to put this one under Mac OS or the, the iPad OS, but universal control, mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited about, but I'm also mm-hmm. excited. I was also someone that was very excited about Sidecar. So mm-hmm. I, if, you, if you don't know what Sidecar is, Sidecar is the ability to put your iPad next to your computer, turn it on so that it is an extra screen for your computer. So it becomes a you know, a second screen, or in my case, a third screen for your computer, your iPad could be something where maybe I'll just have my text messages up there. I'll just have the music up there, but I can slide over and be able to use it. So now uh, universal control seems as though this is actually going to happen automatically. Before you would have to go in and say, turn on sidecar, tell it where it is, tell it what's, you know, what's going on. Maybe you had to put the iPad in a particular place, tell it how it's organized. Now it sounds like when you go to a corner of your screen with your mouse, whatever that corner is, if you go to that particular corner and I guess stay in that corner, it's going to automatically notice where your iPad is and allow you to then move that mouse over into the iPad. So what makes this different, though, in my understanding, is that this becomes kind of just a way to move your mouse to your iPad screen as opposed to simply making it an extra monitor. Is that your understanding, Alan? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's the idea that you can actually have one mouse, mouse. keyboard. Right. And basically now you can set up multiple devices next to your Mac or, or MacBook Pro. And now you can use that same keyboard trackpad to control the iPad. It's just as easy right. and very intuitive. You don't have to, Supposedly you can do it without any real setup necessary. Here's the thing, Brian, that I think people are missing about this that I think is probably the best feature of this though. Yeah. I love the idea of them extending the screen. I love the idea of having a, a mouse that I can actually easily use on different devices without having to go and switch anything. Um, it's the fact that I can actually take a file yeah. from my <clears throat> Mac and drag it over to the iPad screen. If the iPad is set up on that universal control and that's how I can transfer files now, which right now transferring files to and from a phone no, or an iPad yeah. is not fun. It's no. I have to airdrop it to myself, which is kind of dumb to do, or I got to load it up in iCloud drive and find it in my files app or something. Right, right. Just, just to say, look, there's an image and I just want to, on my photo roll on my, on my iPad and I just want to drag it over into my Mac and use it um, to know I could do that. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's where things are pretty exciting for me because I've there's been plenty of times where I I need a photo that I just snapped to put in a presentation or to put on a website or something. And for whatever reason, my Mac's photo library hasn't quite synced up yet. So I've got photos on my phone that I can't get to yet, like on my Mac. 
it's just to know that I could just drag it over um, means all of a sudden that just takes out a lot of extra steps out of my day. And yeah. uh, I love it. So I'm, that's why I'm excited about it. It's the file transfer. No, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's super exciting. So let, let me do, let me just clarify really quick. So if, if you're someone who knows and or uses sidecar right now, the difference between sidecar and what this will do sidecar, when you turn that on, the, the, iPad stops being an iPad and starts being an extra monitor. Mm -hmm. So it's showing your desktop. It's showing the extension of your laptop or your, uh, your, uh, your desktop. Now, what we're talking about is this is a way for you to get your mouse over into your iPad world yeah. to be able to do things. Right. And I think that is right. super cool, right. To be so able to say, that, yeah, I'm going to engage right. with both my desktop and my iPad with the same, mouse or touchpad without and having to change my it, input feature. And the way you do it is kind of like how sidecar was or yeah. is, and that I just take my cursor and I just move it to the right off my screen, my yeah. laptop or computer screen. And if it knows the iPads over there, it's like, Oh, cool. You're moving over to the iPad. Now let me and jump now in my there. Mouse and yep. keyboard work with that iPad. And then I just move it back to the left to come back to my desktop computer. Yeah. I think that's, uh, it's cool. actually pretty nice. I mean, I, I like it. It's a very, uh, it's a nice way to think about it. So yeah, you're not having to use it as a second screen. You could still use your iPad as your iPad. Yep. But now you have the same keyboard mouse control for it that you had on your uh, your Mac. So, do you know if do you know if they're saying copy and paste would work between the two? Are you now I haven't heard engaged uh, in between that would the be two? It. Now technically if you have your iCloud on both devices, copy and paste uh, works between devices. Ah. Uh, no, I didn't know that. It's a little temperamental. It hasn't yeah. always worked successfully, but the idea is that if you copy something on your iOS device, in theory, on your Mac, if you were to go, if they were both logged into your iCloud account and both on the same network, you go to your Mac, you hit paste, it would paste whatever the content <laughs> was from your iOS. It's supposed to work that way, but again, I've had his issues where yeah. the sync isn't always caught up as well and it doesn't work like it should. Yeah. And I also, I mean, I've had apps that will do that copied or some of those paste apps that allow you to kind of have a, a, uh, kind of, a a, a master, uh, copy list, and then you can yeah. go between devices. All right. Let me, let me mention what I think is probably, I think the most impressive one okay. of the, uh, announcements that came from Mac OS, uh, Monterey is going to be iCloud Plus. And I guess this isn't technically just Mac OS, but iCloud Plus, they've taken the iCloud service and they're adding additional features to it, which is good because iCloud really hasn't had too many updates in a while. It's been just a cloud service and that's it. Um, but what they're, what they're planning to do, and the most exciting part to me is that they're doing this without it being an additional paid service. This is for anybody who already pays for iCloud. Yeah you're going to get these additional features and they're uh, rebranding just a little bit in that, you know, with every Mac you get or, or iOS or phone device, you get a free, you get, you can get a free iCloud account. And that gives you, I think what five, five gigabytes gigs. of mm -hmm. storage, which isn't a lot, but if you just need a little <laughs> bit to, uh, yep. as a backup or a little bit for your, for your photos, it will work. Um, they're calling that's called iCloud now, but iCloud plus is anything now that you pay money to subscribe to at a higher level. So that's a little bit of rebranding they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so they're going to give you a couple really cool features. One is 
I think there's going to be a built-in VPN um, virtual private network, which means that you can actually engage with some of the iCloud features while hiding your location, right? Mm-hmm. And so a VPN, for those who don't know, you know, if if you're if you're trying to stream and stream data, stream um, stream something on Netflix. Well, Netflix knows where you are, and knows where your location, so it's going to give you the things that are based off of your location. But the problem is to know whether or not you're supposed to have access, being in the U.S. or whatever. It needs to know your location. Well, VPN would be a way of kind of protecting and putting a almost like a firewall in between you and those individuals, and maybe even tricking them to believing you're coming from somewhere else, right? That I'm located in Denmark or I'm located in a different location, which means that they're less likely to have, you know, uh, interference with tracking you and all that sort of stuff. So I guess a VPN is going to be built into iCloud uh, that would then allow you to engage with it without worrying about uh, location being presented. Is that right? I, I will. Yes, you're right. Um, the the thing I will say to kind of caution people, I think a little bit about if you already have a VPN that you pay for or subscribe to, I wouldn't go and shut that off quite yet right. or turn off that 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 account. From what I understand, the VPN capabilities built into iCloud Plus are going to be um, uh, fairly simplified. Meaning, yes, it's going to protect you and block your identity. But it's not going to give you a lot of options. It's not going to give you a lot of customization. Something like a really good VPN will do is allow you to actually go in and say, mask my location. And it will tell the rest of the internet that you're in Australia, even though mm-hmm. you're not. But it also allows you to change your country. Because sometimes people will use the VPN to try to access content that is only available in certain countries. Right. Right. That's not what this is for. This is purely a security-based thing. Privacy. Just to privacy, yep. that's it. So yeah. I don't, you know, if you really want that level of detail and customization with how you're being seen online, you may still need a more dedicated VPN. But this will certainly, for most people who just want to have that peace of mind that they're 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 not being tracked everywhere they go, uh, um, this will this will do the trick. So. And do you know is this going to happen with web browsing as well? That if I'm logged in as in my iCloud account, that it automatically helps my web browsing. Or is this something just with file sharing? I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a good question, Brian. And I tell you what, I'm going. How to about I slowly? Have, I'm keep going to talking while you I'm search. Going to have our intern <laughs> look that up right now. Okay, and then that way, my Bobby, intern, Bobby the intern is is looking Bobby it up right now. Bobby the intern is now checking it, hmm. and Bobby is letting me know that Safari browsing is covered by oh. the uh, God, that private is relay. Bobby is good. iCloud private relay is the okay. one they're using for the VPN. It encrypts and protects all of your Safari browsing. You can connect to any network and traffic that leaves your device is routed through two separate internet relays hmm. so no one can use your IP address, location, or browsing activity to create a profile about you. Yeah. Nice Thank job, you, Bobby. Bobby. Nice Appreciate job. It. Nice job. You have earned so, your no pay for the day. Exactly, exactly. Man, he is he is well worth the price we're paying him. Um, so another thing that iCloud Plus will do, and this I'm actually really excited about too, is the idea of hide my email, mm-hmm. which basically means it's going to give you the ability to, anytime someone is asking for your email, that you can give them a, what we're calling actually a burner email, meaning an email that has 
you know, some sort of code at iCloud.com or whatever the uh, uh, the extension is going to be. And that email will be something that will get the information to where it needs to go, but without them knowing and being able to share that email somewhere else, right? So this is super yeah. exciting. This is something that I love about with some of the credit card companies are doing now when they ask, you go on and buy something and they say, put in your credit card number. Some credit card companies are giving you a dummy credit card number that works as a one-time purchase to go to your account, but then it will never be able to be used again. So it's like a burner, a burner credit card number. Um, I think there's some really nice things that can happen here and hopefully it'll cut down on some of the junk email that comes through. So Brian, help, help me, help correct me here. I, 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 I recently had a birthday. I'm getting older. And they say, as you get older, sometimes your brain, your memory doesn't always click in quite as much. Didn't we already have a feature like this? Uh, I I seem to recall a, I thought we already had some way of masking the email addresses, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we didn't. That's a good question. Okay. I know it's a feature that has been around. Bobby, I don't know if it's Bobby, yeah, Bobby. Check <laughs> on this for us. <laughs> oh, that Bobby's Where's my coffee? Work. My coffee is still not here. <laughs> the Bobby. Oh, Bobby. Earn your pay, Bobby. Bobby. Earn Jeez. your pay. All right. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was thinking about the credit card masking. Maybe that's where I was. Well, I know credit card masking's been around a while, although it hasn't caught on as much as it should. Too. Yeah. Well, I know that fee- that that option is there for a number of different services. There are services that will give you phony email addresses that will only work at certain times. Um, now, what I don't know is, so if that burner email, does that mean that it's only good just to sign up for something and therefore no emails can be sent to it? Uh, because what happens if I sign up with this and then it requires me to verify something that comes in through that email? You know, there's a lot of issues there. Like, does it work one time only? And then you get that initial bit. And then after that, nobody can send anything to that email address again. And I think that's fantastic. If that was the case, if I just needed a burner one-time email address, um, I think this is is nice. Honestly, I I will probably like this feature, but I'm just, I'm still wrapping my head around the implementation, like how it's going to be used. So I think the concept's great. I just, I just don't quite understand how it's going to work. So that'll be something we need to follow up with whenever it kind of comes about. So um, let's see another couple quick things about iCloud Plus uh, backup keys. So I thought this was kind of a cool thing, the security thing that you know, uh, if if I lose track of my uh, password for uh, something that's stored on iCloud, that now you can actually give someone else access. Not mm. that they can see your iCloud, that you, not that they can see your keychain but they actually can verify that it's you to get you back into your keychain. So I could have my wife right. be my contact person that if I lose track and I can't log into something rather than what, you know, of course, Apple is really good at security. And if you put in passwords wrong too many times, you can be locked out. I could have my special someone be contacted to basically click a button that says, yes, that's who they are. That's correct. And then I can get back in on kind of a one-time secure. I think that's, I mean, you you notice that everything that they're doing here is they're trying to enhance the security while making it so it's not incredibly cumbersome. It allows you to do the things that the world is asking us to do, but doing them safely. Um, Which 
I'm a fan of. I like that. Big fan of. That's great. That's good. Uh, One more quick thing, just, uh, and I think this is something good for you, Alan, is that it, and there's a lot of things about actually HomeKit and how HomeKit Mm -hmm. is starting to expand, which I know you're you're using, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But iCloud is also going to be allowed to use the storage for um, security camera storage, which I think is great. Yeah, which is really nice. Because again, yeah. I've got a nice big iCloud storage account. We use maybe half of it right now for family usage to know I could tap into that and have uh, several terabytes available of uh, storage is great yeah. Yeah. Uh, for that uh, for that uh, security camera. Thing. And it's protected, so, right? And you yep. may you may you may then jump into one of these companies that has a video camera system, but you don't trust them. Yeah. Maybe you don't trust storing it on their cloud. That what they're going to do with it, you might trust iCloud a little bit more okay. effectively. Yeah. So. Some interesting things on Mac OS. Yeah. I, 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 you know, you and I were talking before we started recording. I'll just kind of reiterate it here. It, it's interesting to me, as much as I like these features, you know, I still think we've moved away from the world of these big operating system updates, our big earth shattering changes in how we really work and use our devices. That's the way they used to be. I remember when they would roll out a new iOS version or Mac version. In the past, it's like, oh, wow, this like changes the way we're going to work with our Mac. This changes the way everything looks and operates. And it's just not that anymore. And I think they've there. It seems to me that Apple's very happy with how their operating systems yeah. look and operate and function. The goal now is let's add features and capabilities to it that enhance users without changing how they use their device and use their 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 system. So I don't know. I, I, I'm a little, I get a little disappointed that there's not any big overall new, new operating system to play with. But at the same time, you know, if it's, if it's not broke, don't try right. to fix it. I mean, right. it works. And I kind of like the idea now of not having to learn new ways to use my devices. It's just learning new features that come on the devices. So and Alan, that, do, you, do you think that has something to do with, I mean, you and I, kind of in the Mac world when some of these big changes did happen in the past, when uh, icons look different and when menus look different. And usually there's more of a negative uproar than there is a positive one because people have gotten so ingrained. Now, personally, I loved when things change. I just, Mm. to me, I love figuring it out and figuring out why Mm -hmm. they did certain things and love seeing that it's a new thing. It feels new, but I think they probably got more pushback on that and they figure now, well, let's give you the features, but we're not going to, as you said, we're not going to mess with the things that are working. And yeah. because we don't want the backlash of the people that said, I don't know how to use it anymore. This isn't being used. Sure. I mean, things like the the podcast application, which just recently got updated. It was a lot of people going, why did you change it? Right. That was, I had my workflow in place and you all of a sudden changed the way things were organized. So there's always a gamble when you yeah. When you change, as opposed to when you just add, when you add new features, that's one thing. But when you change a feature, you really have to make sure that people have not gotten totally kind of accustomed to that particular feature. I I will say this, kind of keeping with our brothers in tech theme and why we have this show. I do love the fact that the last several big updates to the iPhone, especially we're going to talk about the iPhone here in a moment. um, It's not such big changes that I'm going to get a phone call from a family member (laughs) saying, okay, my phone looks completely different now. I don't know how to use it. Where do I find my stuff that used to happen? 
like, yeah. a lot when yeah. some of the big updates happen. Now it doesn't happen. And honestly, if people ask me, should I update to the latest version? I'm like, yeah. I mean, if one of these features is something you want to use, sure. But if if it's not, I don't think you need to upgrade until you're kind of forced to upgrade just because some application needs it uh, yeah. to run. Yeah. So that is some niceness to it. I agree with you. I love the changes. I love seeing new things and new uh, fit and finished everything on the on the operating system. But there is some benefits to not having to go through the annual tech cycle with yeah. family members or friends and advising them on how to use the new operating system or if they should use it or not. So, right. And it's also yeah. nice given that even if you have someone call you and say, how do I do this? As long as they have an operating system on their phone or iPad within the last several years, pretty much my no. instructions are the same, right? <laughs> my instructions of where to go are going to be pretty much mm-hmm. the same. There's a couple little differences where you say, oh, you see that on the right side of the screen instead of the left. But yeah, you can you can still give tech support pretty easily over the last right. uh, several right. years. Right. So yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, Alan, why don't you why don't you jump into the iOS world? I am going to flip over since we kind of teased iOS a little bit. iOS again, just so everybody's on the same page with this. iOS is the operating system that runs on your iPhone. It used to be what ran on your iPad too, but they just in the last couple of years split out iPad to its own version of OS. So we'll get to iPad specific here in a minute. But um, Alan, what, is really, what does the I stand for? Do you have any idea? Um, it stands for I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I, I was don't just thinking about that. I was just thinking about that. Why, where did the I come from originally? I wasn't sure if it was something. You're, I mean, you're joking, right? I mean, you know where it's come from. No, I don't. You don't? You, I mean, it's internet. You knew that. Is it really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, no, it's the whole I did not know that. Too. It was iMac. It was i i that. Was well, well okay. iMac. Well, back when the iMac first came out, it was the i the little i was for the internet. So why was an was iMac important Macs for an internet? Kind of, first Mac that was, was connected to the internet. No. Well, it was the first one that was kind of built for connecting to the internet. Ah, okay. Remember the whole uh, Jeff Goldblum ad with the iMac? It was like, oh. Here's an iMac. Let's get connected to the internet. Step one, <laughs> plug it in. Step two, plug in the, the, your modem and you're done. You know, wow. that was it. Wow. Yeah. Did I yeah, just okay. blow your mind? Is you that did. Really, uh... You did. Now, why in the world iOS is still, you know, why they still use the little i in iOS, I don't know, but I guess, yeah. Hmm. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll be well, right on it. Bobby well, will do some research for us here. And if you wouldn't mind, but, actually, um, if, if that really is common knowledge, go ahead and delete this last 30 seconds of discussion. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm don't. completely wrong. Somebody's going to write me and say, no, you're completely wrong, Alan. Uh, interactivity. I wasn't, I wasn't sure what it was. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was internet. All right. Almost All positive right. internet. Yeah. Bobby, Bobby, get on it. Yeah, he'll let okay. us know by the end of the show. All right. All right. So iOS is basically at this point now, it is your phone, your phone I, I, operating system. So we're up to number 15 now. iOS 15 is the new version. Let's talk about a few things that they've added to this. And again, just like on the Mac, nothing earth shattering here. These are just new capabilities and features, I feel like, to, to talk about. Uh, first one I'm going to mention is uh, SharePlay. So, okay, we have CarPlay, we have AirPlay, all different ways to play media or music or videos and play them on a different device. So AirPlay was the way you would 
play something to your Apple TV or another another device. SharePlay is uh, trying to tap into a little bit of I think I think Netflix has done some things yep. with this with this idea <laughs> of letting people watch things together at the same time in a synchronized way. So let's say you have a movie on your iPhone or YouTube video and you really want to watch it with three of your best friends and they're all in different places. So you can basically share it with them. You get on a FaceTime call and say, I'm going to share this YouTube video with you guys. And then all three of you or all four of you are now watching the same video and you all have controls. So if one person presses pause on their device, it pauses it for everybody. Yeah. And it's going to mix the sound so that you can also talk while your, your media is playing. So if you like to watch a TV show together, you want to watch a movie together, something else, and you want to comment on it while it's happening, you can do that without having to everybody get on their device and press play at the same time and try to keep it in sync, which never really works. Uh, I think this is great. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Yep. I think yep. this is a, a great little thing. I mean, it, it does solve. I mean, I hate saying it's a problem because, I mean, really, is this really an issue that we have to suffer through as a society? No, not really. It's more of a nicety to have. But it is, you know, the times where you do want to watch something with somebody, it's tough, you know, to, um, you know, what have we done before? I've shown my phone up to my computer screen to show them a video I'm playing. Right. Where I point them to the video to see, but I don't know where they are in the video if they're watching at the same time I am. Yep. This is just a nice way to kind of build that collective watching experience. Now, I've got questions on how it's going to work in I the real world. I mean, with I do copyrighted material mm-hmm. and other things that you get. Um, but yeah, so I if I share with you my Netflix video, do you have to have a Netflix account? If I share with you HBO, the new Game of Thrones that comes out, can I share that with 50 people at once? Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's going to be the questions for me is how does it handle copyright material? How does it handle Apple mm-hmm. movies you purchased or rented? If I rented for $4 a movie, am yeah. I allowed to share play that? Probably not, but um, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Because there um, used to be, used to be there was a lot more limitations that were built into things like uh, you couldn't put your phone up to a big screen, because uh, play certain things, it would say, nope, not supported because, you know, you were limited in what you could actually display on a bigger screen. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to know that too. The other thing I'm a little annoyed by is that I'm sure they've had this capability for quite a while. And if they would have put this out 14 months ago, you know, the pandemic would have been a lot more enjoyable, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. seriously, yeah. this would, I sure. mean, Alan, we had family gatherings where we'd play, you know, uh, play Jack, uh, what you don't know, Jack type of yeah, trivia the, games uh, together. Games. Mm-hmm. And we would yeah. share that with everybody. Everybody's engaged in the same thing to get together and say, let's watch a family movie together, you know, would have been incredibly cool. Right. And actually uh, engage with that. So I think they, they missed out by about 14 months, uh, to be really utilizing this effectively. But, uh, I, I'm almost of the mindset. It probably was not a feature really high on the priority list. Until come last March. Yep. And then last March happened and they said, okay, now we need to kind of accelerate efforts and it just has taken a while to get it, get it to this point. Yeah. Um, so no, the share play is great. Another thing kind of somewhat related to share play is um, allowing you to do screen sharing on FaceTime calls. Yeah. Um, so the idea of I could be on a FaceTime call with you and say, I want to share my screen just like in a zoom call, which 
it is a zoom competition thing. Yep. I mean, it's just, yep. uh, to make FaceTime more than just video chatting, you can actually use it for presentations. You can use it for uh, collaborative work with people if you're sharing your screen. So uh, I'm going to guess that we're probably not going to have quite the um, feature set that a Zoom does out of the box. I would probably imagine not. with Apple, it's going to be very simple. Yep. I can just share my Mac screen and, or my iPhone screen and that's it. And then I can stop sharing. Um, but we'll see. I mean, uh, well, but you're obviously able to share video, which is mm-hmm. going to probably be a lot better than sharing video on Zoom, which there's some audio issues with that. Well, uh, the difference now. with the share play, I'm going to guess, is that instead of it actually streaming the video to from the your person. device to them, I think it's going to be passing along the URL that they will actually be streaming uh, it themselves, and it just keeps it in sync. That would be my guess. Yeah, that so that's where they potentially could get it so that both people have to log into Netflix. And then Netflix, it talks and decides where the video is actually synced up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that like would make a, a lot every, of sense, right? If everybody's at eight minutes and 52 seconds, and now somebody just pressed pause. So I send that message out to all the devices. Hey, yep. everybody pause yep. at this. That would be my guess. That's typically how some of those work is it's just passing along the URL in the background. The and timestamp and things. To pull yep. it up with the timestamp on your end, so. Uh, we'll see. That's my speculation. I don't mm. think they'll be pushing it as a actual streaming what's on your phone streaming out to these other devices. Right. Uh, right. We'll see. Yeah. That's so I think SharePlay sounds really interesting. And then um, uh, I, I'm also extremely excited about the use of notes. Notes is, mm-hmm. is going to be adding some capabilities, which I'm excited about. I'm a notes user on the Apple platform. I kind of gave up Evernote and some of the other ones and OneNote IDs for a while on Microsoft. I'm all in on the notes on uh, the Mac and on my iOS devices. Um, so to be able to say now that with Quick Notes from an app or from a, a window, I can actually do a swipe up motion and pull up a note and have that note kind of attached to that application, <laughs> but still accessible in my notes app, just under a different folder of ones that are more app specific notes. That's really exciting to me. If I'm like on a web browser and I say, I just want to have a place where I keep some notes about, you know, different things that are regarding web, web surfing or places that I, I visit and I want to keep some notes about them to know that they're kind of attached to the browser and I can access a new note really quickly and easily without having to go and open up my notes app, create a new note and type it in. <coughs> that's, that's, that's going to be nice. It'll be getting, it'll take some getting used to, but I think yeah. functionality could be really nice on that. Do you know, Alan, if they, um, so if I'm on a particular website making the quick note, will that come up the next time I go to that website? Yeah, I'm know. not sure yet. Yeah. I don't know Cause either. that, just, that to me would be the next yeah. level if it's not there yet. Yeah. So if you're searching around and then you go back to that particular website and all of a sudden the notes that you took about that, that website. That. Wow. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. That's, and especially if it went across, across your devices. That's right. It goes across your devices and it's just all synced on your notes app in general. So I can go to my notes app and there's a category for app specific notes and I can yep. actually see them in yep. one place. That becomes really, really useful and helpful. So I love that. Oh, well, um, and I just will say very quickly, I am into notes now as well, but it is the application that I despise more than any other application, but I use it mainly because it is cross platform. I read it's cross device and it it syncs up super well. 
So the formatting within it and everything, I despise it. I'm a big format person. I like to have I, sub bullets and make them super easy and clean. Uh, and I, it's hard to do. But if you're talking about jotting things down, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Notes from me is truly mind dump information. Just yeah. type it in, have it organized in a note somewhere. Uh, and I use it a lot for handwriting with my you know, Apple Pencil on my iPad. I will write right. notes right. in there. But I just I gave up on formatting. It's it's not a good formatting tool for making the notes look good. Yeah, I wish that um, was a I wish that was an update. But yeah, all right. What else? A uh, couple of, couple more things. These are uh, for me a little. I mean, still nice, but a little less important. Live text on device. Ooh, and, I'm excited about that. Okay, well, we'll, we'll have to see how it performs. I think mm-hmm. it's the key for me. But the idea that taking text information from photographs or from other things and actually be able to turn it into real text, which I assume you'd be able to use for searching Mm -hmm. or other things like that. Okay. Yep. Tell me, tell me about that. So, I mean, so if I, if I'm uh, walking in a, uh, in a city and I see uh, an announcement for uh, a new Chinese place that has a phone number, taking a picture of it all of a sudden it says, do you want to call that number? Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think that would be incredibly yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the text itself being useful yeah. uh, right away. And also what I thought was really cool about this is that it's automatically going to go back and search the photos you've already taken. Yeah. So there's going to be content that's going to be usable out of those old photos. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I'm thinking things like, well, scanning receipts. You and I talked about going paperless before, you and I have taken pictures of receipts. We've taken pictures of bills. Well, now all of a sudden, all of that starts to translate into text. So I can maybe do a search of show me the the amount of my water bill from this particular time, assuming that it can be categorized about stuff. That's that's kind of nice. Um, I did see a really a really cool uh, example of it where someone took the video from the beginning of The Simpsons. <laughs> where mm-hmm. Bart Simpson is writing oh, up right. on the chalkboard yeah. and basically said, what is that? And all of a sudden the text was taken from what he was writing up that I will not do whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought, I mean, it's a really cool example where anything that is represented in pixels can now be represented as text. I'm also thinking anything that we do right now where we scan the text, you know, I, I get a, right now I've been trying to create a, a contract and I can go online and see lots of example contracts, but they make them so that they're not editable for Mm -hmm. you because they want you to buy them. Well, if I've got a picture of it, all that text becomes available and I can dump it in and start to utilize a little bit more effectively. So I think there's some cool uses. It's going to be good. Uh, Just I'll remind you when Siri first came out on on (laughs) Apple, it also in a demo sounded like it was going to be really cool. then, What do you say? You say Siri is not? It took a little while. It took a little while to be really become better useful. Apple Maps first came out. Pretty good demo. Looks really good. Then you actually start using it. Ooh, not so great. I am a little concerned that live text is going to be a little is is going to take some time to grow into itself. So I I just I'm already anticipating a lot of people very frustrated with it for a little while taking photos of text and not transcribing correctly or giving you wrong information, which could be really bad. So I'm going to wait and see, but concept wise and the fact that it's kind of built into the operating system is great and be very helpful. 
Um, You're such a pessimist. Well, I try to be a realist, man. I'm trying to be a realist here. Um, I'm already just anticipating the phone calls. That's all. I'm anticipating <laughs> the phone calls from people saying, so, you know, I tried this so, texting thing. It didn't work. It, it didn't called the wrong me. person. It called the it wrong called number. The wrong person. Yeah. Uh, um, you can have the capability for Siri to work without an internet connection. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good move. That's good. Good That is good. I mean, granted, I, (laughs) I haven't found myself in a situation where I haven't had internet. Right. And I don't know how long, but to know that if I were, that I could still use Siri is good. Well, to me, to me, the issue is not necessarily that it's, that it can work when you don't have internet. It's that by working without internet, it's a more secure version of that, right? I mean, if you think about no, what Siri right. does, Siri is just like Alexa and all of these others. They take what you're saying, they throw it through the internet, they get information back. It's just Apple does it more securely already. This is why Siri is not that useful a lot of times. It's not nearly as useful um, because it doesn't share as much info. But to me, having it on device means it's probably going to be faster. So mm-hmm. if it's something like you say weather, and it already happened to have the weather in your weather app without the internet, it can give you that information super fast, or can you do this for me? And it's going to do it on your device. I think there's going to be a, no, a speed increase, good. which I think is good. Uh, so, yeah, agreed. I I think it's all good. It's great. Yeah. Yep. Um, shared health data, meaning taking your health data and allowing you to say, I want to share certain aspects of my health data with family members, you know, people uh, on my iCloud account or other people I want to connect with. So instead of like, you know, you and I have shared each other's like activity levels so we can see each other's levels. But if I wanted to share with you like vitals and other stats that are, could be available again, in case there's an emergency or problem, somebody has that information about their loved ones. um, It's good. I've noticed a, a little bit of a trend in the keynote of just some things that help you provide information to loved ones yep. in the situation that there was a problem or concern with you. So yeah, uh, I, I like that forward thinking ideas uh, a little bit with those. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe it's not that useful for some people, but like the idea of you with multiple kids and uh, a spouse and everybody kind of in understanding when there's not a lot of activity going on or when, you know, knowing that we need that there may be a, a health concern with one of your kids. I mean, of course, they're wanting this to get to a point where everybody has an Apple Watch and yeah, all of your sure. family members are all kind of engaged and sharing their information. But I think there's there's some positives there. Now, if, you know, you and I were able to have our parents share their vitals with us and therefore be notified when... There might things be change. some irregular yeah. heart rhythms and things like that. That would be fantastic, assuming nope. that yep. the uh, privacy is is upheld. So that's great. I I agree. Yep. Well, that's the main things on the iOS. Again, those apply to both um, iPhone and actually those are all available on the iPad OS as well. Now, Brian, they did re- announce a few things that were very specific to the iPad and the iPad OS, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of one of them is is not necessarily a new feature, but I think it's just an enhancement to the feature of multitasking and the ability to be able to do multiple things on the the iPad. Now, this has been around for a while where you can have a split screen, you can have a your messages floating on top of another document, but I think that's all becoming enhanced in a way that um, can be more effective. I don't know if you've struggled with this, but I struggle with 
I get something up there floating. How do I get it away? And I pull it away and it's right. not really away. And I split the screen. I think it's, they've started to enhance some of that. It's, it's, it's not intuitive. It's no, a lot it's more quirky. just swiping and trying to maneuver things and see if it works or not, which yep. is not the way it should really work in a good user experience. I think I, I what I saw in the demo is, is kind of a little, bar across the top that will appear when you go into that multi-mode switching mode to allow you to choose which app to jump into or which one to pull down. Yeah. So it does look really nice. I, um, looks better. I'll yep. give it that much. Yep. And, um, well, and I and feel then, like, I feel like we're getting closer. Right. We're getting closer to where an iPad can be a work machine closer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you yeah. on that. I think it could be, I, I definitely do. And on that same note, I also love the fact that we're getting a lot more parity between yeah. operating systems as well. So, I mean, yep. um, the next item I think you were going to mention, I'll, I'm sorry, I'm jumping the gun on you here, but um, talking about being able to have widgets on your home mm-hmm. screen on the iPad. See, that's something when it was announced for the iPhone, I'm just like, okay, so why don't we have this on the iPad? It just seems like a natural thing to allow me to drag out uh, widgets, a weather widget, a clock widget, a email widget, whatever, onto my iPad home screen and configure it the same way the iPhone. It's really frustrating when they don't have that. Now they're starting to build that parity between them. Yeah. So you will be able to put widgets on your iPad screen and configure it the way you want. And some of them you can get pretty huge. I think like a quarter of your iPad screen, which if you think about that, it's a pretty big widget you can throw on the home page. So in a sense, that's doing work. Within mm-hmm. while you're you know still engaging with other things, yeah. I mean honestly, I, I'm I am a bit frustrated with you on this same thing. They should have gone the reverse because widgets were made for the iPad. Widgets yeah, on the absolutely. iPhone are really tricky in that all of a sudden you're taking up real estate that isn't you know is valuable real estate. You're having to swipe a lot, but on an iPad, I could have three or four things. I get a weather. I could have my emails. I could have you know. Um, the uh, bat- so battery good. life, oh, no. right? Yeah. And then still have plenty of my icons to be able to, where I don't have to swipe yeah. pages. So I just, you know, anytime I see a feature like this, I, I I understand they're maintaining three different operating, really four if you count the Apple Watch operating system. Uh, I understand they've got different development teams and they've got different development cycles for all these. But when you roll out a feature that's just so clearly can be used easily on multiple operating systems, it does bother me when it only rolls out for one and not the other. Yeah, This WWDC and all these updates seems to be a lot more emphasis on we're going to roll out features that are going to be on all the devices. So, for example, SharePlay all the devices. Uh, The focus notifications is going to be on iPad, iPhone, and the Mac, which is great. Um, You know, universal control obviously works across multiple devices you've got. So I am happy to see that. The quick notes will work on Mac and on your iOS devices. So I like the fact that there's not a lot of device-specific things. Uh, It's truly more enhancements that go across the whole spectrum. Yep. Yep. So I think that's now, that's the um, main ones from my iPad yeah. that I noticed. No, that's really it. I um I, I didn't I don't think there was really anything else very specific iPad wise. Uh, you know, even the AirPods got a couple just very mm-hmm. specific updates on this uh, WWDC. Uh, they are finally now included in the Find My. That's another one of those things that should have been when Find My came out. I don't understand yep. why AirPods wouldn't wouldn't be on there, but now they are. So in and other explain, words, explain that. To, Oh, yeah. So the Find My app means it's that universal finding system of saying there's an app on your iPhone or on your Mac that say, find my devices. And any device that's logged into your iCloud account, 
you can find and see on a map and see geographically where it is. It does it for your iPhone, does it for your Mac, does it for your iPads. Now it'll do it for your AirPods too, which is great. Yeah. So, uh, yep. you know, if you lost your AirPods somewhere and you can pull it up on your app on your phone or Mac and you can see geographically where it is and go get them. So, yeah, um, that's great. Now they just need to do that for the Apple TV remotes. We'll be, uh, <laughs> oh God. We'll be in business. So, yep. Yeah. You know. Yep. Um, and then, um, uh, this is good and not anything, you know, I think applicable to everybody, but definitely those who could use it are going to benefit yep. from I it. I love this. Uh, the conversation boost. So yep. the idea being that much like a hearing aid, you know, the idea of a hearing aid that somebody wears, all it's doing is taking the sounds coming towards the ear and it's taking them and amplifying them into the ear canal for somebody to hear them better. Well, the AirPods are going to replicate some of that same capability, taking sound when somebody's talking to you, you can have that ter- capability turned on. They talk to you. It's going to take that sound and just kind of boost it, which means it'll make it easier to hear for people that may have some difficulty hearing already. Uh, that's a great two-way interface for the iPad mm-hmm. AirPod that we haven't really had before. But it's a, it makes good sense. You know, If you're yep. going to keep something in your ear and you have some hearing difficulty, uh, it's a great way to kind of maximize the use of it. So. Yeah. And Alan, you don't have, <clears throat> so you have the older AirPods, so you don't have the feature that is the, um, so noise cancellation or noise yeah. pass through. So I there's a feature on the newer ones where you can noise cancellation. It's going to take all the noise around you, kind of cancel it out so that it's not bothering you, make it white noise. But there's also a, an option there where if I'm walking out in a city, I want to listen to my music, but I also want to make sure I don't ignore the uh, the car horn uh the car mm-hmm. horn that's coming the people that are asking me to move so that actually takes the sound from around me and passes it through so i'm actually hearing it so right away i was thinking gosh this is perfect for someone with audio issues right someone who can't mm-hmm. hear as well take it and just amplify it move it in now here's my question now and I, I don't know if you know where i'm going with this we have a family member who is deaf in one ear mm-hmm. and what i'd love to know is could you tweak a set of AirPods to take the sound on the deaf side and then have it play with spatial audio capabilities on the hearing side to make it sound like it was coming from the left side. So in only, I only have one ear that's working, but I should now have a microphone on my left side. If I can't hear on my left side, I've got a microphone over there. That's now going to play all the sound in my right ear to be able to create this spatial audio so I could actually yeah, recognize no. it's coming from that side. Seems like it's capable. It should be capable. The speakers within our ears on these spatial audio is actually creating these different zones. Something I've always thought about, like, you know, why not use glasses, for example, to have microphones on the ends of the glasses and then pump them into the ear so that it recognizes where it's coming from. Seems like we're to a point where this potentially could be the case. And uh, Wow. No, I'd love to see if that's the case. I'd love to see that. that happens. But this certainly is someone who has problems hearing. This is a way of amplifying just normal sounds that you would be hearing and um, yeah. taking the uh, the microphone, amplifying it, playing it back in your ear. So I think that's great. Yeah, I think that's going to be exciting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's going to be good. So, you know, it was it was nice to see in this WDC that they did hit updates for all their devices, yep. all yep. their operating systems, kind of in one batch. Obviously, some got more attention than others, the Mac, the iOS. Um, obviously, that's their big ones where they keep adding new features. But to see the other devices got some updates as well. 
Um, all of these new operating systems will be rolling out in the next several months. I think uh, they normally kind of have them come out up close to the same time, just to mm-hmm. kind of get a big wave. Probably early to mid fall, I would imagine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, and of course, I, I'm sure we'll probably kind of do a recap when they actually come out, and we've had a time to play with them and see what works and what doesn't from yeah. those as well. Well, we'll certainly more- be hearing over the next couple months because they have public betas out. Which, yeah. by the way, this is something important for people to know. When you hear the word public beta, remember anything that's a beta means that it has not been approved. It's not fully approved yet for yeah. mass consumption and use at your own peril. When it's a public beta, you can sign up for their beta program. You can get all these features right now, but they're not the final features. They're not yeah. polished. They potentially could brick your phone. Don't use them unless you are someone who has a second phone that wants to try it. Or you really just like to roll the dice. Live on the edge. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, I used to be that guy yep, that would too. put in the betas on on there. I do not touch betas anymore. I'm like, right. you know what? I, I, I need my things to work yep. every day. And I don't really want to worry about betas anymore. Uh, but yeah, uh, it is available. It's a good point. And when they go to what they call release candidate, that's when they've created a version that is now ready to be released. And that means that we're probably going to see the final version for download in the short yeah. term after that. So, yeah, yeah. A um, couple more just quick passing things that sure. I, we, we didn't really hit on. And I'm, we don't need to go into a lot of detail on these, but just kind of quick hits, I think. Um, <coughs> spatial, spatial audio got a yeah. lot of attention on the, the keynote. So FaceTime calls will have special audio capabilities for the, your device if you can if you have the capability to play that, meaning you can actually hear sound come from the left or right side if you're talking to multiple people on a FaceTime call that's going to match where they yeah, are. That's pretty screen. cool. That's, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty neat. Siri being allowed on third-party devices, which is kind of interesting. So mm, I think you're opening that up a little bit. And that's and that's HomeKit as well, right? Is that that's what I'm understanding is that they're starting to open it up for even HomeKit to be a little bit more accessible, some other things. HomeKit is going to be more accessible. They've kind of tapped in. I think that's a whole other conversation we'll need to get into at some point. Some of the new technologies that Apple is partnering with other companies to create more standards of how we can share HomeKit information and others, other home automation with other, other companies and other third-party producers. Yeah. Um, Safari, your web browser is going to have tab groups, meaning you can keep tabs kind of grouped together and bring up one group that has like four or five tabs already laid out, which is kind of nice if you mm-hmm. have a certain workflow that you're used to a certain group of pages you need to have up all at the same time. Um, and we also didn't mention too, I think this is pretty interesting. So FaceTime calls, uh, whether it's Mac or iOS, if you make a FaceTime call, you can actually have it generate and invite somebody by a link to take part in your FaceTime call from a web browser, um, which means technically you can open up FaceTime calls to people that are not on a Mac or iPhone. Um, Bringing them into the family. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Now, granted, uh, they won't have a lot of the same. They cannot initiate calls yep. Yep. from there. It's receive only. But if you do want to bring somebody in, hey, we really need to talk to this person, but I don't think they're a Mac user that's fine. Let's just send them this link. They can at least join us in this conversation through a web page, and, um, hmm. and join us video audio chat. That's pretty cool. I think yeah. that's a it's a tiptoeing in a direction where you know, um, 
Obviously, Apple doesn't want to release it and say that we're going to release FaceTime for Windows because then that might cut out some reason to get a Mac or iOS device. But at least by letting people join in the FaceTime calls, you just uh, you have some better capabilities there. Yeah. So, so let, let me just confirm here. So you can send out a a, a FaceTime call, but not receive back a FaceTime call from the correct. So this is kind yeah. of like that really really important app, that fax app that you brought up previously yes. right that is yeah. just changing the world exactly. right now i'm yeah. sure apple probably can consulted fax, but not get it back apple probably consulted with the the fax free fax, fax zero website fax yep. zero website mm-hmm. that i recommended just to see how they did it and probably wow. took some of the technology that was involved there yeah it's it's changing right the world it's changing the world yeah, tell you. So, yeah. one way one way communications that's, what the, <laughs> that's where the future is so um so anyway some good yeah. updates all the way around I, again None of your operating systems, Mac, uh, iPhone, are going to look different. Like they're right. not going to be unknown to you when if you make the update. Just know that it, all these are things you probably have to dig around a little bit to find these new features in your phone or device and make use of them. Um, the one that I think will probably be a little more obvious when you get into it is probably the notifications. Right. That's probably the it's one that different. I think... Yeah. You're going to see that be different and it may take some learning curve to learn how to customize those right off the bat. Everything else is more of a dig in and find the mm-hmm. feature if you need it. It's available to you if you choose to use it. Type yep. of so, yep. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that's that's the one that you'll notice um, potentially um, if you have an iPad, seeing the capability of the widgets will make your user experience a little different. but. Yeah, but given that you've already experienced it with your phone, probably not that big of a deal, right? So, yeah, yeah all of these I think are are exciting possibilities. But I, I am I'm really interested to know how they're going to roll out and whether Mac or Apple is going to do what they always do, which is well, they're there and you just have to stumble upon them to, in order to understand them. Yeah. They don't really educate you very well on these things mm-hmm. a lot of times, uh, or whether they're going to try to urge you to get them uh, to to be used, but. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. excited. I'm excited about them. Yeah, they're not crazy, crazy uh, new changes, but I think there are some really uh, good updates. Yeah. And by the way, before we go, right, because mm-hmm. I think we're going to wrap up. Bobby, we are going to wrap up. Yeah. Bobby got back to me. And oh, he did. Okay. I, I, and iMac iPhone came from Steve Jobs, which I think you were correct, mm-hmm. and you were correct partially in saying that it was internet. Steve Jobs says I stands for internet individual, instruct, inform, and inspire. Yeah, he so he was suggesting internet though. Yeah, internet only. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what he meant. Now, I would say all of those things, I'm not sure why that Mac OS isn't doing the exact same thing, but, mm. you know, we are, yeah. Bobby Bobby no, has confirmed. All right. right. Not, not to get too deep here, but okay, Mac OS already existed. So we already had the Mac OS. Mac OS, actually, I think in version, I mean, the Mac OS has been around since version one, uh, yeah, since yeah. since the app, you know, since the Mac first came out in '84. Uh, iMac came out in about was it '97, '96, '97, I believe. Yeah, maybe. And that was when the internet was kind of hitting the peak of starting to get mass use from everybody. So. Yeah, then why it was iOS on the phone, I'm not sure, but yeah. they didn't want to change yeah. the Mac OS. So anyway, I'm sure there's reasons for it. I mean, in, in hindsight, it would have been better to be 
MOS, right? Mobile OS or mm-hmm. WOS, wireless OS, because those are the things that that are iOS devices, right? Are the things that you technically can move around. Now you could say a laptop do the same thing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're not on the product development team. Yeah. Yeah. So Good thing. Good thing. We're just on, we're just the armchair armchair coaches here. So yep. that's all. Yep. All right. Some cool stuff. I think we are going to, I'm sure in the months to come when all of these get released and we have some time to play with all the updates, some of these features in particular, we'll have to do a little kind of uh, revisit and see if they held up to the hype or not. And, or did what we expect them to do or not. Or maybe there are some surprise features we didn't expect to really be that beneficial that we end up using quite a bit. So that'd be good to hear. All right. Well, Brian, I think we've been going for a good while here. Let's go ahead and wrap up. Uh, We will kind of return back to some normal programming with guests in the coming weeks here. So be staying tuned for that. But in the meantime, Brian, if anybody wants to chat with us about all these Mac iOS updates or ask questions or just even recommend future topics for us to talk about, how can they how can they do that? Send us an email at info at the mesh TV, I-N-F-O at T-H-E-M-E-S-H dot TV, info at the mesh TV. Send us uh, new topics you'd like us to dig into. Um you want to be a you want to be a guest? Send us a resume, right? We'll uh, dig through that just like we're doing all the others, and yeah, uh, it'll take a while, but so we'll many. get to it. Yeah, yeah. So eventually, many. we're actually scheduling out to 2024 right now. Mm-hmm. So be patient, yeah. be patient. But right, uh, or yeah. or it could be in two weeks. I don't. <laughs> we don't really know. <laughs> stay by the phone if you would mind. Stay, stay by the stay phone. Stay close, just in case. <laughs> oh yes. So info at the mesh TV. Let us know. All right. Well, great. Well, for Brian Jackson and Alan Jackson here, the original core brothers in tech, um, thanks for uh, joining with us today. Thanks for listening. And we'll look forward to talking to you next time we get together to chat home and family personal tech. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.